Two pastors and Tom walk into a bar, but this is no joke. It's the start of a conversation between three friends about culture, God, beer, and more. So pull up a chair, order a pint, and let's get started. So my kids got this game called Poetry for Neanderthals. They got it for Christmas. It's a fun game. I mean, a lot like Taboo, but you can you only use one syllable words to get your team to guess the word on the card. It's fun. It's a lot harder than you think. Uh, but apparently we all used to speak like that. Tom, like, drink with gin. But then language evolved. We have thousands upon thousands of languages and dialects. Then there was apparently like just Latin for a while. Latin, 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 more Latin, right? But then even within the same language group, we, we see some evolution. We see language changes over time. Let's take a fun example. So back in the day, if you did something great, you were the bee's knees. Eventually it gave way to groovy and then to rad, to cool, sick, dope, and whatever we're using now. So languages change, and that is what we are going to explore tonight. And I'm realizing right now that in an intro that has to do with language, coming from a person who has typically gone out of his way to use clever and witty language to regale our audience with these intros, this intro isn't even cracking the level of mediocrity. So apologies, let's just get on with it. We're talking about some, some things about our language tonight. Regalia, regatta. Regatta boat. Yeah, regatta boats. I never understood what the regatta Oh, daddy Yankee man. Not enough for him. So good. Uh, so good. Also, pretty... poetry for Neanderthals, fun game. Yeah, Sounds like a ton of fun. It actually is. Until your kids get the blow up like thing that, you know, like with Taboo, you know, it's like you squeeze the buzzer when they say the word. This time it's like uh, an inflatable bat. So ooh. it seems like a great idea until your kids then lose all self-control as children are prone to do. Yep. And the game spirals out of control. You end up yelling at them. And then it just kind of ruins a fun family moment on a Friday night with pizza. Oh yeah, we've are, we've already uh, uh, we played it with it once. Outlawed the bat. It's yep. gone. Yep, the bat yeah, is yeah. outlawed. Absolutely. Sounds like it. Sounds like it. Download oh, a buzzer app on your phone. Those sound good. You know, Tom, when you were giving your examples of language evolving, um, I couldn't help but think of the word "dope." I mean, you mentioned it, but uh, yep. that's I and I've actually used this as a sermon illustration. I can't remember why, but but at any rate, but like the way the word "dope" is like pretty interesting, right? Like on the one hand, like what does it mean? Like on the one hand, you might say like it means something's cool, like yo, it's dope. Yeah. It can also mean like drugs, um, you know. Yep. Um, and uh, it can also mean uh, you dope like, a pipe in order to right, like you dope prepare it for like fitting. Yeah. Like right. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So like, there's just or a lot of you're just... a dope, Tom. Right. That's the other yeah. thing. Like yeah. an insult. Yeah. You know, my brother's called me a dope many times. So. Uh, I mean, then you have the for a while there we were using. Uh, you know, man, that's bad. You know, like right, right. Like, but it's it's good. But it means good, right? Yeah. What about people yeah. in like Boston saying "wicked," 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 "smart," "wicked," "smart," yeah. "wicked," "smart," "beans are awesome," "beans okay," yeah. <laughs> Dunkin' Donuts. <laughs> oh man, hey, the Dunkin' Donuts obsession is one a real thing, and two, like something completely nonsensical. Who it's actually weird, thinks right? Dunkin' Donuts coffee and donuts are good? Yeah, not, me. not this guy. Although I will tell you this, like living in Southeast Michigan, like Tim Hortons is a very big deal here. Yeah, because you're so close uh, to Canada. Because we're close to Canada, right? So it's a very big deal here. It's gross, but I still get it. Like it's like you you can taste the donut that was clearly frozen. Like you can taste mm. the, you know what I'm mm -hmm. saying? When you yep. taste like frozen. freezer burn, freezer yeah. burn donut yeah. taste. Yep. Like and they even advertise it not as freshly baked, freshly frosted. You know, like, uh, well, yes. okay. Uh, which, yes. which I don't understand then how how Krispy Kreme somehow didn't make it because you could watch them making the donuts. That was amazing, from right? Scratch. Oh, and they were so good. But then like- Wait, you mean not make it? Did they, are they done? Did they close? I think there's like seven left in the United States. We there's one, one in Austin. We have one in Chattanooga. Oh, right? that's great. Wait, seriously? Chris, my mind is being rocked right now. My world oh, yeah. shattered. I mean, they used to be like, Everywhere, uh, national oh, okay. phenomena, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then 
it right at their height is when we went into this low carb phase and they just got slammed with that. But then Dunkin' Donuts is back and Tim Hortons and things like that were back to donuts and like somehow well, they have coffee. What coffee? I mean, debatable. Like, and like Krispy Kreme can't come up with is. coffee. Like, it's yeah, not yeah. that hard. Not that hard. Right. Uh, well, right, listen, this is, what, this is why people don't like us, apparently. <laughs> yeah. Well, and honestly, speaking of language, you haven't heard our, our voices and our vocabulary for, I mean, quite a while. Quite a while. It was Thanksgiving and then Christmas. Now it's the new year, and we continue to ruin every resolution we've ever made, both mid year, early year late year, new year, by saying we're actually going to produce content. But here we are. We've, we're doing we're, it, folks. We're, we're going to do something. We're going to talk about language tonight. And how so the Tom first thing we're going to do, though. A woke libtard. Oh. But, but before that. We're going to talk about what we're drinking. Um, and I feel like Josh, so here's the deal, good listener. Normally, we all know what we're drinking beforehand, and we just kind of share it with you guys for funsies. Uh, we have no idea what Josh is drinking tonight, and he's really, really built it up. So I think you should go last, Josh. Yes. And uh, Hermano Tomas, would you go first? I have a very simple gin and tonic with Oodles Gin, Oodles of Boodles. It's very good. I love it. Done. I uh, Mine's interesting. I'm doing a, uh, a uh, pre-made margarita in the uh, Jose Cuervo variety. Like homemade pre-made or meaning like Jose, Jose Cuervo just like straight up already mixed kind of thing? Oh, already mixed like... Just pour it in the glass. Just pour it in the glass and drink it type thing. Mm. So super Drink gross. it out of a mason jar. I don't know. I'm not wow. classy. Are you... Wait. Are you surprising what? me with a visit here in the South, Gabe, that you're drinking a alcoholic beverage out of a mason jar? Wait, where... Do I need to I go sure outside? Am. Where are you? Are you here? I'm in your back porch, buddy. Oh, man. What a wonderful surprise. Do uh, you remember that time when uh, your wife, Jenny, bought Tom and I plane tickets to visit yes. you for your birthday? That was, that was the, My bad. kids still talk about that, as a matter of fact. Oh, uh, that's glorious. Yeah. They can't remember your yeah. names, but they remember your visit. Yeah. Why, why would they remember my names? I only held them remember, when they were babies. When we only, one of them is my godchild. Remember when, my, when we had to go sleep in the garage so dad's friends could come and stay? That's right. Yes. Yes. Okay, right. well, I'm glad you guys, I mean, save me some time because th there's a story to accompany this, as you can probably imagine. I can't wait. Always I can't is. Wait. I know you can't wait. So, like any good dad, I'm taking all four of my kids to the dentist today to get their, you know, every six-month uh, cleaning, routine kind of stuff, right? Naturally. But I knew that I would be recording this this evening, and I wanted something special, especially since I love you both, and we haven't recorded in a while. So... Once again, as any good responsible dad does, on the way home from the dentist, I stopped at the liquor store. And I said, kids, stay in the car. Dad's got to make a run. So I run in, and I, I don't, I don't usually go to this, uh, this liquor store. It's on a different part of town. You know, not like my go-to place. And I walk in. I'm going to head over, you know, find some gin, since everyone knows that we all like a good gin. And... I noticed something that I've never noticed before. There's like this small little display that says clearance. I'm like, okay, okay. I'm going to take clearance a look here. Clearance liquor. Clearance liquor. Found it by the side of the road. Right? This is, this is going to be maybe a very incremental step up from the crown that I found at a construction site and gave to Tom, who was convinced it was actually good liquor until I told him it was crown that I found when inside I was, of it. When I was being polite. Yeah. Okay. We all know that your fancy pantsy attitude and knowledge about liquor is just not only uncouth but untrue. Move on. So okay, on. so I'm looking through right, and it's like a bunch of crap, just like stuff, and I'm like, I I'm not gonna drink this. I'm not looking at some I random dusty bottle of vodka. No, 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 no peanut right. butter whiskey. Okay, right. nothing like that. Right, and right. I see this bottle tucked in the back that's looking lonely, and I'm like, ooh, that could be something good. And so I dig around, I pull out all the other bottles in front of it, and I come across something that I'd never heard of before. But I bought anyway, because it was on sale. And I figured, this could be good. So I'm, I'm gonna literally take on the edge of my seat here. I what know you are. It? Here, I'm going to take a loud sip right now in this microphone. We're not going to be able to tell what it is. I can't even ooh, wait. Ooh, that sounded like a bourbon sip. I mean, mm. what is it? Kahlua. Well, are you? No, no. Okay, are you guys ready for this? We're so ready. I legit had never heard of this until I bought this bottle. 
I'm not even going to say it right. Bowles Genever, Genevere, Genevere, Bowles Genevere. It is from Amsterdam. Okay. Mm -hmm. It's an imported Holland from Grain Spirit. So at first I thought maybe like in the in the vodka, you know, kind of like realm of things. But then when you read the back, it actually describes more like a gin. So apparently Bowles Genever or Genever is the authentic ingredient of many classic cocktails. So Tom, I'm surprised you've never heard of it, but it can also be enjoyed uh, chilled or on the rocks, which is how I'm enjoying it this evening. And apparently it's like a Dutch gin. All right. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's like a Dutch gin. I will say this. Good? It's good. Uh, It's it's more reminiscent of like a high-end vodka than it is a good gin. Not super botanical. I prefer, you know, heavy on the botanicals, heavy juniper, you know, those types of things. Like a good London dry. Mm. But it's not bad. It's not bad. And so, I don't know. Bowles Genever, Bowles Genever. I don't know how to say it. Wait, is it from Amsterdam, you said? Yeah, check this out. It says... Amsterdam established 1575. That's very old. It's super old. So it must be some kind of historic, you know, malted liquor Dutch from, from See, Amsterdam. Speaking of language, you guys ever talk about, you guys ever think about, I think about the Netherlands all the time because, all. like, think about it. The country's named the Netherlands, but what are people from there called? Dutch. Dutch. And then, like, what else do we call it? Holland. Holland. Yes. Like so so it's a country that has two names and the people from there are named nothing related to either of those names. Like what's that about? Mystery and intrigue. That's what it is. And you know what? I'm just very very grateful. They're also all to... very good looking. Oh, yes, they are. And can we all just admit whether it's speed skating or on the football field, they have the best kits. Oh, for sure. Globally. Like that bright orange, the orange oh, and the, the black, yep. it, it kills it. It crushes every it's so time. Good. I do literally, this is, this is a fact. When I can't sleep, uh, I watch Dutch soccer because it's so beautiful. Like mm. their style of play is so aesthetically pleasing to me that like it just relaxes me and lulls me into a uh, Robin. I sleep. So yeah, if I can get like a, you know, an IX PSV game, I mean, that's, that's the best, but, yep. a, but a Heracles, mm. um, you know, uh, versus, uh, what else am I thinking of? Norsha's Land uh, yes. game. That's, yes. uh, that's yes. good stuff. We have not lost the listener at all. <laughs> I love where this intro has gone. <laughs> like, good. All right. I mean, so can I, let me just ask this before we move on because I wasted a ton of time. I don't think so. I mean, I think it's gorgeous are, are, can we just say, can I take a vote real quick? Impromptu vote? Gabe, yeah. uh, disappointed or, I don't know, affirmed in me going last and sharing the surprise drink for tonight. Josh, I'm going to tell you something. Affirmed. Yes. Excellent. Man, I feel great. Tom, what about you? So I am currently looking up drinks that uses Bowles Genevere, and they look delicious. I mean, I'm I'm willing to go and look for it and purchase it just to make some drinks out of it. Josh, you've done it, buddy. Thank you. You've won the podcast. You've never won the podcast. I, I, I... I just feel like, I don't know. I just feel very, very satisfied with myself. Um, oh, you just the ball, buddy. Wow. And actually have- here, guys, hot take, big announcements. Okay. The way we've been pronouncing it wrong. I've been pronouncing it wrong. It's not Genevere, but apparent, apparently it's Yeneve or Yeneve. Or Danny. Oh, That's wow. the other thing. The Dutch language is impossible to speak. So hard. I've been, I've been listening to uh, Dave Grohl's memoir, and he spent some time in Amsterdam, and he's like, I loved it so much, I tried to learn Dutch, and you can't. No one can. Totally fun fact and completely unrelated, but absolutely pertinent to this conversation around language. A kid who used to attend Bird City back in the day moved to Amsterdam to work with YWAM, met a Dutch chick got married, they came back and visited Chattanooga as part of their honeymoon, and I asked her that very question. I said, why is Dutch such a difficult language to speak? And you know what she told me? Huh. It's like a, it's like old Norse. 
pretty sick. It's like old, pretty sick is Wait, right. When, it's when like old happen? Norse and a little bit of German thrown in there. And I'm like, so you're basically speaking the language of the Vikings? Hell to the yeah. I'm here all day for that. That's you know what? Dope. Don't miss me with that, Gabe. I won't hit miss me you, with sir. that. Hit I'll me hit you with that all day. Instantly, right. English is also an impossible language. I mean, we, we are aware of this, right? Yes. But it's yeah. but it's God's language. It's Everybody the language of the globe. Yeah, I mean, if it's good enough for the Lord, it's good enough for us. <laughs> Colonial right? language. I mean, yeah. Let's just. It's the imperial language of Darth yeah. Vader and the Jedi. So yeah. before we finally, <laughs> before we finally go to break, I would just like to recapture what just happened. Josh nothing. And, nothing <laughs> just nothing, happened. Nothing. We, we should end this episode. Nothing just happened. No, no, no. Josh introduced a new spirit. He uh, he found something called Bulls Yenevet. Yenevet. And uh, and we both affirmed how awesome that was. Josh is very excited about this new thing. I am going to go buy this thing. I'm going to make a wonderful drink. I'm going to talk about it. And you guys will universally mock me for it. That's what will happen. In is this a promise? Episode. Yes, it is a promise of what will happen. I do promise to mock you for it, for the record. Yes. You're like, oh, Josh, this is awesome. You found a great thing. Tom, you made a drink out of it? That's the worst. Yep. All right. Yep. Let's, go to Let's go to break. As long as we know our roles. Break time. <laughs> break time. Welcome back. Uh, so I'm not even sure where we are right now. We talked about a lot of things in that intro, but I think the point was that we were going to be talking about language um, and how it's changed. And, and in particular, uh, we're going to hone in on a couple words, a couple phrases uh, that I think we've all heard a lot in the last uh, in the last year or two. Uh, we'll try to keep it not related to the pandemic, I think. But um, one of the first words I want to I want to kind of dive into is the word woke. Uh, I think we all, you know, that maybe is a triggering word for some. I think it uh, it means something different to a lot of different people, which is interesting to me. Because when I was first introduced to the word a couple of years ago or whenever, when it really became part of the cultural lexicon, if you will, I, at least what I thought it meant was someone who was woke was someone who finally realized or understood that people of color have not always been treated the best in this country, that there are still laws and uh, things that are happening in this country which uh, are adversely affecting people of color. Um, and that, you know, everything wasn't hunky-dory after the Civil War, that everything wasn't absolutely peachy keen after, you know, Civil Rights Act and all those types of things, that there's still an amazing struggle. And so for someone to understand that and to take steps towards uh, making reconciliation and things like that, that someone would be woke. Uh, but recently I've heard it as almost a four letter word. If you are woke, you are so crazy left wing communist, you know, that like you don't even care about America. You're the worst person in the world if you are woke. And, you know, typically I hear from right wing media and things like that and personalities that if you're woke, you are bad. And so I'd love to get your thoughts on that. Like, well, is woke good? Is it bad? What, what should we be? Well, let oh. me affirm you in your four-letter word descriptor of the term woke. I was at a circuit meeting. I'm not going to use the term that most LCMS pastors use because I think it's dirty and creepy and sounds oh, extremely phallic. Yep, that's the one. <laughs> Although it was named after – wasn't it named after a dude? Like no, man. It, Herman Winkle or something like that? As I recall, the word Winkle means Winkle in German. I believe it means corner. And so back in the day, Walter and the boys would get together with their wives as well. And then the men would go off to the corner to meet. And so that's where the term Winkle came from. Either way, it really sounds phallic and creepy to me. So I refuse to refer to these meetings as Winkles and instead refer to them as circuit meetings. And I was at a circuit meeting and we had someone come and visit <clears throat> who introduced. Do you know what a circuit meeting is? Sorry, it's. 
Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That's right. That are near each other, geographically near each other meeting. Okay. Carry on. Right. Right. So we had a new regional person who showed up and like typically in these meetings, it's a time of study, a time of prayer, a time to check in on one another, and then a time to, you know, give people updates on what's going on. And this, this pastor brings in a workbook that had been developed and self-published by an LSMS pastor that was entitled Being Christian in a Woke World. He's like, yeah, there's some really good stuff in here. You know, talking about all the wokeness in, in the country and blah, blah, blah. So he passes it around the table and it comes to me and I open it up. And essentially, uh, at least what the table of contents conveyed was it was the most far-right, conservative, populist, like, publication, anti-Marxism, anti-racism, filled with sort of half-truths, even some bald-faced lies, and... Hey, Dedge, this guy's in your district. If only he's in mine. And so I bought it... Wait, the book you're talking about? Oh, no, the dude who published it, actually, Tom, is in your district. No, he's not in mine. I'm in Minnesota South. He's in Dedge's district. Just saying. Oh, well, anyway, he's somewhere in Minnesota, and it's ridiculous. Yeah, he's in Alexandria, so there you go. Oh, wow. And yep, Tom just called there. him out. Tom just called this. I don't care. Tom doesn't care. Calling out the Lord's workers. Anyway, uh, so I, I buy this workbook, and it, it's just, like, preposterous. I get through the first two chapters, and there's more red and, and highlighting and notes and marks on mine uh, on my copy. Where I'm just like, this is, is it's just such a fallacy, right? And it was so clearly evident that this term woke was being used not just a, as a four-letter word, but as a pejorative talking about a difference in political thought that is really driven – um, let's just say by some toxic and unhealthy campaigning. Okay. Um, if, if I'm going to put the best construction on that and it's, it's just really ridiculous to me because, but also interesting that a word which had positive connotation when it first sort of originated and was being used quickly became weaponized, um, and really quite divisive. And well, at isn't, least, isn't, isn't that what we do now though? Like, that's what we do. We, we we latch onto a word and then we weaponize it. I mean, but on both sides. It's the easiest thing so, to do. Yeah, like cancel. You should just be able to cancel a subscription. Yeah. Now I can cancel Gabe. And I We're going to try before. by the end of this episode. I can't wait I won't to be hard. Gabe. Um, so often with you two communists, I do feel like the, like token conservative or something. Well, and wait, um, real quick too, like the market, yeah. like just the, no, well, never mind. I'm not going to get into this. This isn't what this okay. episode is about. Go ahead, Gabe. So at any rate, um, I, so I, I think like I get your concern, Josh. And I think like, all right. So first of all, like, yeah, the origin of the term is like to, to be conscious, in to be enlightened. What? To be enlightened. Yeah, to, yeah. to be aware of, um, to not buy into the status quo, but to recognize that, like, to be aware of, to be enlightened of, of uh, an alternative narrative than the one you've been fed. Let's maybe put it that way. And can, can we make a quick interjection that according to that definition, it's mm-hmm. actually quite biblical, right? In the sense of waking up from one's, um, you know, from the darkness, oh, waking up from one's slumber of the world, so to yeah. speak, coming to the light of Christ. Well, and I think that that ends up being the maybe the the concern, right, is to say, all right, well, what exactly is the narrative that you've supposedly woken up to, right? So, so like, I think that's where it ends up getting this pushback is because people feel like those who portray themselves as woke, like, that actually is inherently a sort of arrogant claim. Like, it, okay, I'm not like, saying how I feel about that. I am just saying, though, I'm saying I'm enlightened and you are not. Like, so that's the claim you're making. No, I, so I think that's, that's why people that's, have turned it pejorative because that's, it's like, that's what do you how think you are, been, better than me? That's how it's been co-opted. Originally, because I run in these circles, the term yeah. woke was, wasn't an sort of egalitarian kind of concept. It was more like, hey, we need people to wake up and open their eyes 
to some very historically and factually driven data and truths of what's right, been right, happening. No, and that, I think that's right. And I think that like that sounds so good. But if I'm the person who says like, actually, I don't buy the thing you're telling me to open my eyes up to. But then, see, this, this is why I'm saying, I'm right. But this is why I'm saying it's actually a, a fairly biblically solid principle because isn't this the claim of Christianity? Isn't this what we use in terms of our evangelism? That you need to awaken to the fact yeah. that you're a sinful yeah. human being in need of a savior. And yeah. isn't this then this also the same kickback we get from people who are like, yes. don't push your religion on me yes. because you're somehow more enlightened. I was just going to say, yeah, it's exactly right. right. Yeah. That's exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. People get offended by that too. Sure. So that, that, that would be my point. So then in, in, in society then, when people are told, you're blind to things, I'm awake to things, mm. then they're going to be upset about that. Sure. In the sure. same way that you're right, when Christians are like, Hey, you should repent and believe the gospel and, and wake up, O oh sleeper, like you're dead in your sin. People get offended by that. Right. So do we, it's like the same thing. Even, so even though it may be true, right? Even sure. and certainly as Christians, I believe it's true, you know? <laughs> like So are, are people more offended by the fact that we're saying, Hey, I'm enlightened to this, I am I am awakened to this and you're not? Or holy crap, there's some things that have happened that I didn't necessarily realize or I have shut my eyes to. And I don't really want to, I don't want to dive into it because it really hurts me in the feelings. Well, I, I think probably yes. May, may I add a, like to both those things? Both. I think that, that's just yep. accurate. Yeah. But I, I think I would add, I think the reason it's become a sort of uh, pejorative term and, and sort of weaponized is it, it is a, I mean, we're always looking for helpful catch-alls. Like, like if I can label you, then I can dismiss you. Right. And so, uh, so in our current political discourse, we're always looking for helpful catch-alls. And I say we in terms of our society, not the three of us, uh, looking for, for helpful like catch-alls that I can just plug this person into this category. And so woke, while I think it was initially connected to uh, racial injustice, has gone on to take on um, really any form of sort of uh, left leftist thinking in general, whether that be around gender or sexuality uh, or race. And, yep. and so then I can say, hey, you know, so there's this whole thing of woke capitalism, right? Where it's like, you know, every June, you know, every visa commercial is just going to be like a bunch of like rainbow flags, which like is like woke capital, right? Like they're trying to capitalize on this sort of social movement. So, you know, however you feel about that, that's what they're doing. Like we, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to know that that's what they're doing. Um, and so, like, all that to say, I, I, the person who maybe doesn't like that, which I'm not saying I do or don't, I'm just saying if I'm that person, um, then I just sort of categorize that as woke capital. And I can just put them in that category and just dismiss them as being idiots if I'm that yep. guy or yep. guy. Yeah. Which is so, somewhat ironic and also hilarious because... And this is what I find to be most challenging in a frustrating and irritating kind of way for, for me personally is like, let's just take the complete adverse, right? Let's go to the opposite end of the spectrum. And in a lot of ways, this is exactly what adherence to say, oh, I don't know, the letter Q, who are anonymous, right? Like, in, in a lot of ways, like this is this exact same argument. The same folks who are being like, yo, we're anti-woke because woke is like this egalitarian, super enlightened, pejorative, like you're you're castigating us, you're scorning us, you're looking down on us kind of thing. Like they're also adherents, albeit of a cockamamie theory that would promote them or like actually prop them up to be more enlightened somehow of yes. like the real things of what's yeah. going on behind the veils. Well, I shouldn't say so to speak. That's actually terminology that they use, right? And so it's like, to me, there's this really interesting dichotomy that goes on where it's like on the one hand, they're like people on either side, right? Are saying like, hey, let's, let's demonize, let's dehumanize these other people because we know what we're talking about. And yet they're both exhibiting the exact same behaviors from complete opposite totally. ends of the spectrum. Totally. How, how did this go back in the Enlightenment age? Like, you know, when we had people, they were like, hey, the Earth's not flat. Hey, there's, you know, we we actually revolve around the sun. Things don't revolve around us. They hey, burned them at the stake, Tom. 
for heresy. If you piss upstream and drink downstream, it's not going to be great. You know, like maybe do it the opposite way. You know, like how did it, how did that go then? Look at, oh, look, look at you thinking you're so smart drinking, you know, upstream instead of downstream. You know, I mean, like, there's definitely a certain amount of that. Like there has to be. I think right. that's the nature of social change is like, as we learn new things, you know, we're, we, there is this like denial and like refusal to accept it. And then a gradual sort of acceptance of it into, to a wider culture. Uh, but, but that said, like it's, I, I also, how do I put it? I, I think there's, there's like, there ends up being a, a sort of dialectic, like a Hegelian dialectic, right? So your thesis, uh, antithesis and synthesis, right? Like, so there is a way in which I think like there's some truth to that in, in that, uh, you know, like, let's say like someone like Freud. Okay. So like when he's like spouting his stuff off, like tons of people are like, yeah, this is totally it. Like Freud's onto it. Like this guy gets it. It's, it's just yeah. all about sex all the time. Like, this is it. And like, guess what? Like nowadays, most people are like, Freud was kind of wrong about a lot of stuff, like mm -hmm. a lot. Um, and, and yet a lot of his sort of stuff, like the idea of a subconscious, like he just kind of made that up, you know, like, but we all just assume it's a thing. Um, and, and so like, it, it finds its way into society, I guess is my point. So, so what I'm saying is like, there's this way in which I'm sure there was people that opposed Freud when he came out. And there's a ton of people that like, were like, this guy's awesome. And now we're kind of in this place in which his sort of vocabulary and his stuff has just sort of imbibed itself into our, our culture as a whole. And so I think in some ways, like we're in the midst of that sort of thesis uh, antithesis right now, because because here's the other thing I feel like, sorry, I'm going to rant for a second, but, but I feel like, like if we go to, to woke, for example, to use that term, like the, the, to me, the whole conflict seems to boil down this way where there's like, and, and we've probably talked about this before, but like the, these, to use it the way it's used sometimes, like the, the woke crowd seems to be like, listen, everything in American history is like trash. All we've done is just oppress people and we're just a big mess and we're bad guys all the time. And then like the, the reverse of that is like, no, we're always the good guys. We've never done anything wrong. And we just are the ones providing liberty and freedom for everybody. And no one's done anything bad ever. And like, I, I, maybe I'm too optimistic. I feel like, I don't know, 90% of Americans are like, well, isn't it kind of both? Like, don't we have some really messed up stuff in our history and now, and haven't we done some good things too? And let's just try and navigate that. But there's like this 10% half and half that's really loud on both this stuff and so we just all have to kind of listen to them yell about their crap all the time so to me that's actually the crux of the issue gabe is i i think you are too optimistic i think it's it's much more polarized than than 10 percent hmm. and unlike your example of freud although i completely agree with with the corollary i think we're in a point where the the subsects or like or the subsets subsets not sub this but also subsect. Family. This is a family show, Josh. It is. It is. Right. But subsect. That was a Freudian slip. If I okay. All right. Okay. You guys got it out of your system. We're we good, good to go now. Yeah, we're good. Go on. Go on. Okay. Go on. Excellent. Although, point. speaking of language, that is a terrible word. Sect. Right. When yeah, you have to pluralize word. it, sex. Really hard. Yeah. And then sex. Anyway. Okay. Yeah. All right. Easy. We're moving on. I do feel like, though, and this has been documented and talked about and highlighted by m many people way smarter than me who actually study these things. We are at a point culturally, in America at least, but I would, I don't know, I'd say like in the West, I, I'm pretty confident, pretty confident and comfortable saying the West, where it's not just a small group of people who are like, yeah, I think Freud's right, or I disagree with Freud, or yes, everyone's you know, I, I think the woke movement is good or I'm anti-woke, but it's become so polarized to such a degree that now you have families, you have communities, you have schools, you have colleagues, you have, uh, you know, peers who are literally digging in the trenches. It's like World War One, but over rhetoric, you know, it's trench warfare over it's rhetoric out. and we're it's all out. ending up with freaking trench foot. Right. And so, like, yeah. I would actually say. I would flip your your percentage game. Mm. I, I actually think it's like 
10% who are willing to stand in the middle and be like, it's kind of both. That's what I'm here for. And it feels like 90% are constantly at each other's throats. Now, I, I obviously don't mean that literally because I'm not making any actual calculations from percentages right, right. And, and polling or anything like that. But it's just, that's a feeling I get. And so I wonder what the outcome so, will be. Is it going to be that Hegelian synthesis that eventually occurs? Or are we on a much more destructive path that's going to be a lot more difficult to actually come to some kind of synthesis about when it comes to like wokeness or all these other, you know, uh, words and philosophies or, or even kind of like trains of thought that have become, you know, weaponized and, and used for basically nuclear warfare between the left and the right. No, Josh, I, I agree. And this is what I'm, what I'm seeing. We've talked a lot about different political things and, and whatnot, but the fact of the matter is in the last, in the last five to six years, we have seen some unprecedented things happen. We've, we swung the pendulum from a, from our first ever black president who was democratic to an extremely white and some would argue white supremacist type of president in Donald Trump, which whether you like him or not, you got to agree had some extremely polarizing views and, and comments and thoughts and, and whatever, right? So we have an extremely volatile political time, right? Fueled by social media that we now have then in the rise of social media over the last eight to 10 years, let's say, right? Add into that a pandemic, right? And my wife and I have had this conversation a lot lately where we have seen friends of ours who are posting pretty vehemently around the pandemic and, you know, they're anti-vax or things like that. And we're, we're to the point where like, we don't want to hang around them anymore. Not because of a, of a fear of, well, we don't want to hang around them because they're anti-vax and, and we know that they might, you know, we have a higher chance of getting COVID from them. It's a, they do not ideologically line up with where we are, yeah right? Because we see the things that they, they post politically and that, it, like, and it's gotten to that point. People are becoming so loud with how they post and things like that. It's not, I, I'm not sure I'd flip it to 90-10, but I'd say it's a, it's a 50-50 at least. Yeah, you know, I mean, yeah. It's, start, it's starting to harm our society. If we're to the point where I would consider myself very low-key, not too much rocks the boat for me, but like when, when I have friends who are posting stuff on such a volume and like volume in terms of how much they're posting and how loud they're posting, that I don't really want to hang out with them anymore. Like, that's pretty significant in my in my viewpoint. And that's because we've had some really significant things happen in the last six years. Well, Tom, yeah. that, I feel yeah, like that's I mean, just your truth might be right. versus their truth. <laughs> Dude, well, let's get into that. All right, let's talk about this idea of, of my truth, right? So that's uh, a phrase. Competing, well, let's, let's preface it for the listeners with this. Okay. We most certainly rhetorically... Uh, linguistically, philosophically, right, are in an age of competing truths. Abby. Abby. Yep. Okay. Abby. Um, and can we not do that? Well, hey, Abby. Abby. <sighs> so, sidebar, sidebar. My family, when during Christmas and Thanksgiving, and when we go to my my parents' house, we like to play this game called Quiddler, which is a game it's where you a get made cards up game with... for people from Minnesota. Abby. Yep. Abby. Uh, it, it, it's a game where you cool have cards, beans. letters on it, and you have to make make words with it, kind of Scrabble-ish kind of thing. We like word games. It's great. Uh, but one of the words that's in the Scrabble dictionary now is the word za. Oh, yeah. Which is that's the, been there for a hot minute. Right. The, the shortened word of pizza, which is not hard to say, but somehow we needed to shorten it. I don't Give know why. Palm palm. Go on. Yeah. <laughs> Apps and zerts. Za is the dumbest thing. Like, I believe you have to be at like Neanderthal, like level. I to like use Za, the word za with cheese, right? And crust. My and fave. now you use Abby because you can't say one more syllable. Like us. Well, if we're gonna do this, then let's just get into this with Gabe Casper, who instead of texting or writing the word very, just puts a capital V. 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 That's it. That's all he does, folks. Dude, all the time. All the love time. It. it is I love it. all the time. 
Yep. Capital E for very. I stand it. Yep. Wow. Thanks for that sidebar, Quiddler. You're the. That should be like a Batman villain. Quiddler. The Quiddler. The Quiddler. The Quiddler. Close to Riddler. Anyway, anyway, my truth. What? Go. Um, actually, incidentally, isn't the new Batman supposed to have the Riddler in it? But it's like it a does. Review. Yeah, I saw a preview of it. It's actually it. pretty creep, creepy. Right. Creepy. Creepy, creepy like Quiddler. Like, oh boy, I'm the guy. All right, we are so my out truth. of control. Yeah, Tom, so, so competing yeah. truths, competing yeah, yeah, truths, yeah, yeah. yeah in yeah. the sense of like what is true to me is true, and may differ from what is true to you, mm-hmm. or your truth, an, and so it's therefore an opinion. So therefore, but it's but now it's nowadays, Tom. Nowadays, all right, it's being elevated beyond opinion, above I just know. like a a thought or a belief to verifiable fact. Well, nowadays everybody want to talk. They got something to say, but nothing comes out when they move, move the lips. lips. Just a bunch of gibberish. Because they forgot about Dre. Dre. Um, so what do you say to somebody you hate? What? What? What is this amazing lyrics that you're saying? I've never heard this before. Oh, Tom. Oh, Tom. Tom you don't know about Doctor Dre. So, and so instantly. And I should do a react Eminem. I should do a reaction video on that. Hey, if you want more content on our take on reaction videos, go to our B. Dude, Detroit. There it is, Gabe, hometown. Yeah, baby. I did Shelby, Melissa to the movie Eight Mile. Uh, Wait, did you really? Yeah, she'd never seen it before. Like I just like four days ago, we watched it. Are you kidding me? And she's literally like, this movie. She's like, why did he only rap at the end? Like that's what he does. Why would they? Make but she said it was epic, right? She said it was an amazing movie. Oh, best thing she ever saw. Shawshank Redemption level. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. Sophie's okay. Choice. Run, yeah, Rabbit, yeah. Run. That's all I got to yeah. say. Yeah, very good. Clash Parents. Oh, rabbit. Real good marriage. At any rate. Um, it was pretty sick, actually. He, like, dunks on the guy for going to Cranbrook, which is a yep. school I used to play against. Um, <laughs> in what? Badminton? In private school. In, in football. Lacrosse. Uh, one year I played football. Uh, and actually, that was the one game I actually played. But anyway, moving on. Like American um, football, or you're talking like the European football, like where they kick with the feet and soccer balls. I'm an American. If I'm we American. don't get into that, you played football. Through. You played American football. I played American football. I did. We've been friends for. I did. Freshman year, dude. I, I, oh my gosh, he's what? done like sermons and devotions, and like we've talked about this, man. Thank you, Tom. We have yeah. not talked about this, and I am. We are on Amkara, and I did not know he played hey, American football his freshman year of high school. I was a corner. Wow. Cornerback. Yeah. Okay. Um, neither here nor there. What does there. this have to do with language? <laughs> My truth. My so, truth. okay. So, all right, let's, let's get to this. All right. So, 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 like, on the one hand, like, there's the easy, like, categorization of it of, like, relativism, right? Like, what's true for you is true for you. What's true for me is true for me. That ends up being this sort of, like, and yet we all do sort of mm, function this way. And to Josh's point of it is, it's not just, like, mm, it's not cute anymore. It's competitive now. And and there's yeah. like this well way said. in which, right? Like, and so there's this way in which like, it seems like we're living in fundamentally different realities. And then the way I just distinguish it is to just say, well, that's my truth. And this is, you know, that's your truth. This is my truth. And now it's also a somewhat impossible situation to resolve though. I guess I feel like philosophically because I'm like, in one sense, like there's a way in which Tom experiences the world that I will not like, just like his subjective experience, his background, his location, his old, butt. like, he's just going to have a different so way of, of, so of like seeing it. They're yep. like, I have to accept like that. I think there's just that reality. Yep. Which, which I will say, I'm I am appreciative of, even though it has stretched me at times. When you think about, like, say, marginalized groups versus uh-huh. dominant groups, or people of color versus white folks, or women and men, right? There are certain ways right. that this is a beneficial yep. and helpful type of conversation to be happening. Yep. In terms yep. of developing empathy. Yeah, yep. but then it's like, what does become the sort of line in which it's like because i I, mm, sometimes i see if i say this the right way sometimes i've talked with people who have felt like they were 
being uh, oppressed in some way because of some attribute about them. And I was like, oh, I've had that happen to me too. That's just part of being a human being. Like, 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 so like, there, there's this way in which I'm like, I want to be empathetic to people who have experiences that are not mine. And at the same time, I'm like, yeah, that's just kind of a shared reality that is just part of being a human being. Like, I don't know what to tell you. And it's not really your truth. That's just life. Like, and, and so. So in the same way, so in the same way, as we were talking about the, the argument and the controversy over wokeness, right? There, there is something fundamental about truth, regardless of, of, of what the experience is, is where there is shared truth that is, I, I don't want to say universal, but I will use that because it's the easiest kind of thing to use, right? Universal shared truth about humanity that we all do experience. And yet there are particular truths that one can experience that someone else can't simply by nature of geography, gender, uh, racialized category, identity, ethnicity, whatever, right? Like I'll never know what it's like to be a Guatemalan in the same way that a Guatemalan will never know what it's like to be an American in, in some ways. Okay. Um, and so we, we, I think we've lost the ability in some ways to say there are universal truths that are applicable to humanity that we do experience that then foster and engender empathy in really healthy and positive ways. Yes. Right. Yeah. But instead what we've said is we're going to create such a strict and very distinct dichotomy that that middle ground is lost. And this is what we were talking about the wokeness thing, right? Like it's one camp or the other. There's no ability to find any kind of similarity, crossover, whatever the word you want to use. And the same with this truth conversation, like, well, Gabe, you and I had a prof. All right. Um, because I remember that relativism was cute when it was surrounding the controversy of postmodernism and the rise of postmodernism coming out of modernity. We took a class at the seminary and we had a professor who dropped this bomb, at least for me, that stuck with me and really been a very helpful and clarifying kind of sentiment. And well, I don't know, maybe even ideology that I've kind of lived by. And what he said was, I believe in truth absolutely, or I believe that there's absolute truth, but I cannot know truth absolutely. Meaning, from an existential perspective, I believe that there is such thing as an absolute truth that is universal in totality. But as a finite being, I'll never be able to know what that universal absolute truth is because I'm just one person, right? And the reason I appreciate that is because it's like there's a sense of humility that says, yep. I only know what I know, but I also have to admit yep. that I don't know what I don't know. And yet there are some things that are universally true, universally applicable, universally experienced when it comes to, you know, what humanity is. And I feel like that is the type of sentiment or or middle ground or balance that we've really lost, particularly when it comes to language. And instead we've disregarded it and ammunized it in terms of like creating ammunition out of it. to me is it simpler than that because like you just took this to this like existential realm of like and i made up a word i don't think ammunized is a word but it works right like to create ammunition or something did i just make up a new word brilliant that's hey that's your truth buddy hey you you know what and i'm gonna live by that truth gabe thank you very much you are welcome what what i find hilarious is that we we've just started using this because we want it to be true you talked about it at the beginning, yeah. gave of this relativism, but like, like the word we should be using is perspective. Opinion is maybe the lowest form, but perspective is probably the most accurate. That's my perspective, right? That is yeah. maybe like yeah. because of my worldview, because of my upbringing. To your point, you don't know what it's like to be me. I don't know what it's like to be you. You'll never know that. I'll never know, yeah. you, you know, whatnot. But like, it is my perspective. But I can't say that like, hey the way I'm raising my kids, this is my truth. Truth is a word that we use for things that are absolute and that everyone can agree upon. Two plus two is four. That is, that is truth. Right. But the way I parent my children versus the way you parent your children, that is my perspective, my opinion. And to me, it's almost as simple as can we stop using the word truth 
in a way that I think is inaccurate. So let me problematize that a little bit for you because I, I am sympathetic to what you're saying, but there's this thing in um, philosophy, the, the philosophy of science. Yeah. Oh, so, good guess, Josh. Good guess. Yeah. But in, in the philosophy of science called like, it's, it's the problem of pluralism. Okay. So the, like kind of the main famous example would be to say like, uh, how, how, how do you understand a forest fire? Like what, what is a forest fire uh, scientifically? Well, there's actually a variety of ways you can understand a forest fire. Like a controlled burn. It's, it's a chemical reaction, right? So you understand it chemically. Uh, it's, you can talk about the ecological uh, damage that's occurring. So you can understand it ecologically. Uh, there's just the physics of it. So you can understand it from a physics perspective. Uh, so like, there's all these different ways in which you're talking about the same thing, but but what exactly is the thing you're talking about fundamentally? What's its base understanding? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and they're all actually kind of true. Like it is a chemical reaction, but it is also this physical thing that uh, abides by these certain physical properties. Uh, and so, like, like that, that. So they're they're actually all true. Um, and yet, it's a problem because I don't fundamentally know what we're talking about. Uh, yet there is a thing there. And so in one sense, you know, your, your solution of, um, perspectives is, is maybe the way to go is maybe just be like, yeah, those are different perspectives on the same phenomena. Uh, that that's maybe fair. I think the struggle that we run into is that it seems that people don't all acknowledge the same phenomena and then insist that something else is happening. And like that, that's where a bigger issue comes in. Yeah, I'm trying. I'm trying to bring that back. Like, I'm trying to correlate that to the parenting example because, like, with the forest fire, I think that's more concrete in the terms of whether you're talking chemically or physically or ecologically. We are all talking about the same thing. We're talking about trees on fire here, right? Yeah. Like, what does it mean that they're on fire? Yeah, but like. But, but we know that like and yep. you can understand it chemically or you can un- and study it physically or whatever but at this at the same time it means this thing this tree is on fire and it burns right whereas when we talk about parenting like you can parent a kid one way you can parent a kid diametrically opposed to that way and those kids may end up being both normal well-adjusted the same right or you could have two different scenarios where again two parenting situations that are diametrically opposed and one kid turns out great and one kid turns out awful right yeah and so like with parenting like you never know how it's going to turn out right and so it's truly a perspective there is no truth you can't tell me 100 that spanking a child or not spanking a child is good or bad or that reading to them until age eight versus age six is good or bad or whatever right like there are all these things that change and so to to label it as truth is asinine in my opinion yeah so centrism is the answer to both being woke and understanding truth no just use the right word i yeah i think that seems to be yeah yeah yeah, like it's it's our perspective that reading to your kids till you're eight is better for them. Like, or it's been our experience that reading to your kids, although incidentally you should read to them so, forever. But uh, at any rate, but I, um, I feel like this whole, but I, I in a, in a sense, all right, we are the pine class preachers. So if I put my preacher hat on, centrism is not the answer. Polarity is because we ultimately are bringing a very polarizing message. When it comes to the cross and we're saying, this is the truth. This is what it means to be woke. I mean, in a sense, right? Like take it or leave it. This is it. This is Jesus is the way, the truth and the life, right? There's no other alternative. There's no way around this. And so like, how do we, cons- not consolidate, how do we synthesize that form of extremism? If we're being honest with ourselves and, and our theology and our, and our faith system with how it, how it functions and should be, I think in a healthy way to move about in the world that isn't as polarizing and isn't as extreme. Well, or shouldn't be in terms of just like actually interacting with other human beings. 
with differing thoughts and views and beliefs? Man, for once, I want to leave Jesus out of it because. When... <laughs> How dare you, Tom? Oh, Peg and no. Tom, Peg and no, Tom. No, no. When That's why you have me on here, the everyman. That's <laughs> and, and maybe this is maybe this is like part two of this episode, but like you get us to a very different spot when we start talking about Jesus and when he says he is the way, the truth and the life because there's a lot of people who could argue man that's your perspective right you can't scientifically prove jesus you can't you know and death and resurrection and the return of jesus and the eschaton and all this kind of stuff right like that's a really hard thing i want to leave it more at the worldly level here of just yeah centrism just like whatever we're just going to run the middle like yeah, that's not the answer either. And it's okay, it, it's okay to take a side and say, this is my perspective and I'm going to stick to it because I think this is right. But to label it as truth, I think is, is arrogant, one. And two, I wonder if it's covering up for something deeper on a psychological level or something that we, we have to pretend that it's truth to make ourselves feel better or, or I, like, I don't know. That's where I just well, me, don't know. Let me say this, like, I think the concern actually is it is the is actually the term my maybe not the term truth like like, like so so meaning like if if it's my truth and your truth and it's fine even though they're opposite of each other for them to coexist then then I'm misusing the term truth but if I'm just like this is the truth like so Jesus is the truth to use Josh's example here like it's not about it being my truth who cares what my truth is like it's the fact that he is the truth right? Or the fact that gravity is truth. Like, I don't care if it's the my, your distinction falls apart there. That's just reality, man. Like, you got to adjust to it. Um, And so to me, it's the cognitive dissonance of many people to say, well, this is my truth. That's your truth. Never the twain shall meet. Uh, And so it's that use of my that I think ends up being the beef, the beefcake. Because, well, go ahead. What? No, I was going to interject with, we're talking about language and you just used the word twain. Um, and also beefcake, but he said tween. Did I say tween? You but did. it should have been twain. It should have been twain, but you said tween. Josh, you have a tween. Actually, Tom, you have tweens. You yeah, guys both do. have tweens. Yeah, I have a couple of tweenagers. Oof. No, I have a 13-year-old. Oh, oh you, you have an actual teenager. teenager. Oh, yeah. old yeah. man. You know, what, yeah. what constitutes a teenager? That's a word I want to know. I believe it's someone who's 13. Or older, or between the ages of 13 and 19. Interesting, interesting. I think at 12, you are not, and at 20, you are out of it. You know what? That's your truth, Tom, not my truth. Speaking of that, let's wrap it up. Uh, All right. We we literally can't wrap this up because we didn't wrap anything up for our good listener except for to create additional confusion. No, this is what I want to hear from our listener. Oh, Gabe, don't give me that look. You know it's true. Here's where I know we're going to get plenty from Dej, but like, I really want to hear like, what are the other terms or words that, that we have, that have really changed for us over the last couple of years in our, in our culture and society? I'd love to hear, are there other examples? Cause those are the two that came to the top and what we discussed tonight. Hey, we could go on forever on this kind of stuff. So, and we will for 12 more episodes. <laughs> A 12 part series. We are woke. Some of us are. I'm woker than you. Tom, are you woker than me? I am much woker than at least 37% of. But Gabe's the least least woke. We can all say that right I'm the least woke in this podcast. I'm very okay with that. Hey, well, actually, tell us how woke you are. 612-208-6258. I mean, yeah, by percentage. and It's a completely arbitrary measurement. Uh, we literally aren't going to compare that percentage to anything substantial or true or absolute. Except for the other listeners, let's see our scale. You know what? That's a great idea. For the woke scale, we'll publicize this to yep. either shame you or affirm you, prop you up or destroy you. Six one two two zero eight six two five eight. Love you. I want to identify who the like on a scale of like Marjorie Green Taylor to Wow AOC. Wow. AOC, what is your wokeness level? Wow. Wow. Yeah, let's use Congress. That's great. That's a great idea. Seems like no one's ever done that before. 
Okay, we love you guys. See ya. America. Bulls Yeneve. You know Yeneve means juniper in Dutch. Well, now we know. And knowing is half the battle. Can we just have a B-side of us saying Yeneve?